Imagine what it would be like to share communion at the garden tomb near Jerusalem. Or picture yourself floating in a boat on the calm, scenic Sea of Galilee. Isn't it time you saw the Holy Land? Join Chuck and Cynthia Swindoll on the Insight for Living Israel Tour, March 10th through the 21st, 2014, with an optional pre-tour Red Sea experience, March 7th through the 11th. Whether it's your first time or your fifth or sixth time, you will love traveling with newfound friends and family who share a similar love and respect for the land of Israel. You have lots of choices, but there's only one tour with Chuck Swindoll and Insight for Living. You'll learn a lot, yes, but this isn't an academic trip. We squeeze every possible opportunity to ensure your encounters in the Holy Land include quiet moments just between you and the Savior. Call 888-447-0444. That's 888-447-0444. Or visit us online at insight.org slash events. The Insight for Living Tour to Israel is paid for and made possible by only those who choose to attend. Nothing is more valuable to a leader than those who come alongside to help carry the workload. Those who hold positions of authority understand what it means to become overburdened with details. Today on Insight for Living, you'll hear Chuck Swindoll continue a message introduced yesterday. It was Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, who appealed to common sense. Moses, he said, you can't be effective as the leader of the nation all by yourself. In the event you missed any portion of yesterday's program, we've set aside ample time to bring you up to speed. The question today, will you lead or lag? First Corinthians 14, I want you to see clearly what God is pleased with. And it's important that you see it from his word. I'm not interested in developing the context of chapter 14. I can give it to you in one sentence, really, even though it is oversimplification. It's a chapter that deals with a way to correct disorder. And Paul sums it all up in verse 33. For God is not a God of confusion. So the first thing we will say about God is negatively, God does not like confusion. The word means disruption It is rendered tumult in several versions. He doesn't like tumult. So the first thing we can say is that God does not like that which is tumultuous. Well, what pleases him? Positively, he is pleased with peace. See verse 33. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So what pleases God is that things be done in a well-organized fashion. That things be thought through and carefully presented in an organized manner. He's pleased with that. That pleases him. He's pleased with a church that is well-managed. He's pleased with a body of his that is under control. He is pleased not with an absence of spontaneity. That doesn't mean that. He is pleased when there is a peaceful sense that sweeps over a congregational body. That pleases him. 
Now, in light of all of that, since God wants us to lead wisely and in a well-organized manner, let's go back to one who did that. Chapter 18 of Exodus. Turn back there, please. In the first 12, 11 or 12 verses, Moses is visited by his father-in-law named Jethro. You probably are somewhat familiar with the chapter, so I'll just sort of breeze over these first several verses. Jethro, verse 2, Moses' father-in-law took Moses' wife after he had sent her away, and her two sons, of whom one was named Gershom, he said, I've been a sojourner in a foreign land, and the other one, Eleazar. And Jethro, verse 5, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was camped at the Mount of God. And uh, they had a few congenial, cordial words together. And then Jethro gave God praise as he evaluated what God had done through the hand of his son-in-law. It's a great moment, this father-in-law visiting his son-in-law. There is a warmth of family contact. And then Jethro sits down to watch his son-in-law do his thing, that is, lead the people. Now Moses is in a high visibility position as a leader, and Jethro watches him work. Look at verse 13. It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood about Moses from morning until the evening. Now, this is not an exaggeration. Moses literally had people around him all day long. Remember what pleases God? That things be done in an organized manner. Not that there be tumult, not that there be an impulsive kind of leadership, not even that there be overwork, for that is often a characteristic of a confusion kind of leadership. And Jethro frowned as he watched his son-in-law attempt to meet the needs of too many people. They were there from morning until evening. And then Jethro, verse um, 14, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he began to ask some hard questions. What is this thing that you are doing for the people? The emphasis here is on the word alone. Why do you alone sit as a judge? And all the people stand about you from morning until evening. The you is singular. Why are you all alone in this task? Now, I want to suggest that there are three or four principles worth remembering about good organization. And they're very general principles, but they apply and they're frequently broken in church congregations. Here's the first one. One person, no matter how gifted, cannot do a big job alone. A gifted person can do a lot, but no person is gifted enough to guide a ministry alone. Moses was attempting to do that. Remember, God is a God of order, and there was a lack of order here. Too many people waiting too long to have many needs met that he could not personally meet. But Moses, faithful to the core, nose to the grindstone, stayed at the task morning till evening, and this wasn't anything unusual. Jethro just happened to see him doing what he was always doing. And Jethro said to him, why do you do it alone? 
One can't do that alone. Look at verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you're doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and those people who are with you. A good way to put it, isn't it? You will get worn out and the people waiting to see you will get worn out. You can't keep it up, Moses. The task is too heavy. You cannot do it alone. Again, the emphasis, you can't do it alone. Jethro has, has the wisdom to see what Moses doesn't see. And he says, now listen, you listen to me. I shall give you counsel and God be with you. Look at this wise plan. You be the people's representative before God. And you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Let me pause and give you the second principle. It's right here. High visibility leadership is still needed, but the role must be limited. We're not saying that there's no place for high visible leaders. We're saying that high visibility leaders need to be, but they need to have their roles limited. Moses, you're needed, but you can only do so much. And that brings us to the third. Verse 21. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them. Now, now don't miss the thought. Find the right kind of leaders, and when you select them, you place them over all of these people that are waiting in line to see you. As leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they'll bring to you. But the minor things, the minor disputes, let the, let, they themselves will judge, so it'll be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Isn't that something? God says through his friend Jethro to Moses, Moses, your job is to become easier as the task grows, not harder. Third principle, big loads are to be borne by many, but they must be carefully selected. Big loads must be carried by many, but they must be carefully selected. Did you go over it a little too fast? Did I read it too fast? When he talked about the kind of people that were to step in and help do the judging, please notice in verse 21, there is no politics here. There is no place for getting your relative in because he's a part of the, of the Moses friendship circle. Ah, there's no place uh, for, for pulling rank because you were here before somebody else was here. No, that's not a basis for selecting a leader. Look at it. Those who are able, the word means skilled, so they're to be skilled for the task, Moses. Second, they're to be people who fear God. There is to be a God-fearing quality about their lives. Third, they're to be people of integrity. 
They won't compromise when decisions are pressed on them. They won't change to please a group. They're a people of truth. Fourth, they hate dishonest gain. They don't have their mind on money. And they will not stand for dishonesty in the ranks. These are carefully selected people that will help do the leadership. It's not that you flip a coin and just get the first one that's available. Or because someone has always done it, you get them in to do it again. No. It's extremely significant to me that God, through Jethro, spells out in detail some qualities. And he does it over in Acts 6 when they were to spread the work of the elders. Carefully, carefully selected people. Notice the ultimate goal is that the work be done. I get that from this uh, 22nd verse. Uh, They'll take the minor disputes and you take the major ones. And second, that it would be easier for the visible leaders. Friends, I didn't write that. God wrote that. If I had written that, I would say make it harder. So I'm a high achiever. I, I, like most of our guys, I work too long. And I, I grind it out. I get too much in the details of, of, of too many jobs. I would have said, make it harder so that he'll stay at it. But that's not what God says. God knows what he's doing. When you take the detail part of a job away from a person, then you give freedom for really his gifts to move in a direction that God can use. But you bog a man or a woman down in, in the area of, of details, the gift gets stymied. And by and by, the job gets stagnant. You are in a job, perhaps, right where you're working, where that's happened. And it's no fun. That really isn't what you were hired to do. And you, you at times, want to scream out of frustration. I'll tell you, if there is a place for the Peter principle to move into operation, it is the ministry. It is the ministry. Just uh, more and more and more until finally a person who was not at all gifted for those areas of, of, uh, of administration and wasn't called to do them is doing more of that than the calling of his, uh, of his role. So you, you get the point. Uh, something as sacred as leisure is invariably left out of the leadership. You just cannot produce... All that is to be produced in a life without the luxury of leisure. Just can't. Moses, you don't have any or you don't have enough, and I want to do it so that you get that thing back on target. Those who are appointed must carry their end of the load, by the way. Let me add that. There are the minor disputes, and they will always be many more of the minor than the major. So there will be much more to be done number-wise by those under the surface than those on top. And if you're called to do that, by God's grace, please do it. That's your job. Or resign. Do it so that your part of the load is picked up and you carry it so that someone else doesn't have to carry a double share. And it's harder for them rather than easier. See, God's arranged it so that it pleases him that things be done in peace. Now, there's one more principle. Verse 23. If you do this thing, 
And I like the way Jethro says this, and God so commands you. That's pulling a little bit of rank as a father-in-law, but he knew that God was speaking through him. He had that sense of presence. God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will go to their place in the thing that pleases God in peace. So the fourth principle is when there is proper management, two things result. Number one, leaders don't wear out. Number two, harmony prevails. When you have a worn-out group of high-visibility leaders, you've got poor management. And when you have a lack of peace, you've got poor management. But when you've got good management, what really pleases God, where there's proper management, you've got leaders that aren't wearing out, they don't burn out, and you've got a harmony that prevails. By the way, boredom is not lacking something to do. Boredom is burnout. It's often having more to do than you will ever get done, and you just, out of fatigue, lose the fun of it. Many a man is bored to death in his role, not because he isn't called, but because for one reason or another there is now poor management in the carrying out of his job. Well, I admire Moses because he he did two things. First, verse 24, he listened to his father-in-law. First step toward change is hearing the need, tolerating it. And second, he did all that he had said. And we observe, you wouldn't be surprised, he chose able men out of all Israel. He made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and of tens. By the way, you know what I learned from that? I learned that uh, there are different gradations of people's ability. It's not that one's good and one's bad. It's just the way we're made. Some were capable of handling ten. Some were capable of handling hundreds. Some were capable of handling thousands. Thousands. Now you talk about the Peter principle. It's when you put a person capable of handling fifties trying to handle thousands, and you've got confusion, and that doesn't please God. So what we want to do in thinking through the role that we feel is to place into positions of responsibility the right people by the grace of God. Those that are to handle 10, put them in the tens. Those that are to handle the 50s, put them in the 50s. Those that are to handle the thousands, put them in the thousands. And by God's leadership, as he directs you in making those decisions, you take it that seriously. By the way, that brings me, in conclusion, to three suggestions for all of us. Number one, selecting leaders is, a, is, a, is serious business. If you want to know how serious we consider it as a staff, look at the statement of commitment our leaders will be taking next Sunday. We take it so seriously that we believe every leader is able to say, I will, to these five statements. I recognize that the Lord my God is responsible for my appointment to this place of leadership. I will therefore be his representative, listening to his word, obeying his voice as I fulfill my responsibilities. I will will be the answer. 
Over all other suggestions and advice, I will seek to hear the counsel of Almighty God as it is revealed in the Scriptures in every major decision connected with my involvement in this ministry. I will, says the leader. I will take refuge in and rely on the Spirit of God rather than my own flesh and skill or that of any other person. I will make every effort to carry out the leadership of this position under the full control of the Holy Spirit. With my whole heart I will fear the Lord Jesus Christ my God and acknowledge Him as the sovereign head of this church. Deserving of my unreserved faithfulness, submissions, uh, diligence, and commitment, I will honor His name. And finally, realizing the strong tendency to compromise with this commitment, I openly declare my dependency on God and my need for others in His family. As a servant of the Lord of the body, His church, I will guard against every temptation from these eight enemies of godly leadership. Authoritarianism, greed, hypocrisy, rationalization, exclusiveness, sensuality, pride, and unaccountability. I will fulfill my responsibilities for the greater glory and praise of my master, Jesus Christ, whom I love and willingly obey. I will. Very serious decision. Think of character qualifications, not popularity. Think of an extension of our ministry, not a person who makes it all his own, separate from the others. A team person. Think of only the right motive in having an individual come into leadership. For I tell you, the wrong person in leadership impacts this whole church. So it's a serious matter. Second, those who become leaders automatically become models. Hebrews 13 tells us that. You want your pastors to be models, we want our leaders to be models as well. And they become that. It's not a question of will they be that. It's what kind. Automatically, a person begins to model the things that he represents. Third, uh, those we select are to be those we are to be willing to follow. It's like selecting a person who will become your employer. Uh, I am not the dictator type. To the surprise and to the dismay of some people, I do not run behind the scenes a, a wild kind of dictatorship in, in uh, velvet gloves. I do lead our staff. I take the role of responsibility there because that's what's given me. That is the way this ministry is arranged and that is what I cooperate with. We believe Jesus Christ is the boss of the church. We believe he is the head. We believe he is the leader. We believe he sovereignly works in such a remarkable way, and he certainly preserved this ministry. We believe that this iceberg is moving, and it's moving rather rapidly. We want that to continue for his glory. Please don't play games. Don't, don't play politics. Don't play friendship. Take your role very, very seriously because it will impact us for the next several years, believe me, in a most significant manner. Let's pause for prayer. Lord our God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do through the ministry that is carried on 
for your glory. We thank you for those who have been called by you. We thank you for their willingness, their responsible spirit, for their gifts. And now we turn ourselves over to you for your sovereign direction in our midst. And we, we rely on your being pleased because we do it in a proper and well-organized manner. We thank you for speaking to us in the challenge that comes with this. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. You're listening to Insight for Living and a sermon from Chuck Swindoll called Will You Lead or Lag? For resources, go online to insightworld.org. If you're engaged in church leadership, it's likely your heart resonates with Chuck's compelling message today. Nothing is more important than unity in the church. And nothing is more productive than leaders and followers working together in harmony. But we live in a broken world, and too often our churches are characterized by backbiting, infighting, and picking sides. Well, Chuck Swindoll wrote a booklet on this topic. And if you've never contacted Insight for Living, we'd like to send a free copy. It's called Diffusing Disharmony, Seeking Restoration When Christians Collide. If you're listening in the United States, just give us a phone call and request the free booklet called Diffusing Disharmony at 1-800-772-8888. In addition to this free resource, you can access helpful articles and information by going to a special dedicated webpage on today's topic. Just go to insight.org slash leadership. Just as Moses required people to come alongside and help him carry the burden of leadership, Insight for Living also enjoys the benefit of helpful friends who make this ministry possible. We call them monthly companions. If you're a monthly companion today, thank you for your generous support and confidence in Insight for Living. A monthly companion agrees to give a donation every month. Setting up this arrangement is simple. It doesn't take long. But the impact on Insight for Living is enormous. If you're listening in the United States, you can become a monthly companion right now by calling 1-800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org slash monthly companion. Now, whether you take this step today or just give a one-time donation of any amount, we'll say thank you by providing the book called The Way of Lament. Online, go to insight.org. Time is running out to reserve your spot on the upcoming tour to Israel with Chuck and Cynthia Swindoll, March 2014. Space is very limited. You'll find all the details at insight.org slash events. I'm Dave Spiker, inviting you to join us again tomorrow to hear another message from Chuck Swindoll on Insight for Living. The preceding message, Will You Lead or Lag?, was copyrighted in 1981, and the sound recording was copyrighted in 2013 by Charles R. Swindoll, Inc. All rights are reserved worldwide.